Listener Production. G'day, it's Rusty here, all set for part two of my podcast with Michael Pickens, a Speedway star on both sides of the Tasman, who's made quite a mark in the USA too. Now, as I often say, if you've somehow arrived here and missed part one, jump back to the Rusty's Garage Library and give it a listen. From the early days to those who helped steer him in the right direction as he gravitated to speed cars or midgets especially. Some of the detail on the power to weight performance of those awesome machines and the art in winning. The first of now 10 New Zealand speed car titles and just how special that was, plus a whole lot more. We begin part two by talking about a bit of the danger, something that goes with the territory but makes this sport immensely addictive too. It can be a brutal game, mate, from a, a crash standpoint. Are there some in that sort of early phase of your career where it was a bit of a reminder of, of the brutality of the game sometimes? Yeah, a shitload, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I had some big ones. Um, definitely um, teaches you to respect the car and, 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 the, and what's around you. Um, but unfortunately, in this game, um, being open wheel and the nature of how you happen, gotta, yeah, mm. you mm. got to run these things hard and, and on the ragged edge because mm. everyone's got the same stuff now. You know, everyone's got the same engine, same shocks, same chassis, within reason. Uh, different brands, of course, but it, it, it's um, you know, if, if you're not doing something pretty special, you ain't going to win. Mm. So you got to learn to run the car on the ragged edge, but not crash. Mm. And um, Obviously, it takes a few crashes to, to, to learn where that limit is, but um, certainly gets your attention, that's for sure. Do you know when it gelled for you, when it absolutely got to the point where you're like, right, I can do that, I can... You never get to the point mm. where you're 100% comfortable and we can run on the ragged edge. Um, is that what's addictive about it? Is that what sort of, yeah, I su- you know? I mm. suppose, and um, it's, uh, you know, it's a sport where you never stop learning and... Um, you know, I'll still make mistakes to this day where, where I think I can push a little harder and, 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 and you end up crashing. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I think if you're not pushing the limits consistently and having the old crash, then um, you, you're probably not pushing hard enough because um, you're not learning. So it's just an unfortunate side of the sport where, um, yeah, it's, gonna, it's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of when. When. There was one recently, which people can find on YouTube, where you literally, in America, more or less flipped it, then landed on its wheels, and you somehow kept it going, mate. That's quite a, uh, that's had quite some views, hasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to say it was all talent, but um, <laughs> it's probably zero involved there. Auckland, New Zealand racer, Michael Pickens is up and over. Well, it's a barrel roll. Landed on the tires. Keep going, Michael. Keep going, Michael. Oh, yeah. Pay him off. Pay him off. Oh, somebody get him the phone number for the Thunderbirds. It was, um, as, as, you know, as a goofy deal, mm. you know, we just, just started bouncing. We were mucking around with um, bump stops and stuff, and, and uh, I think that may have contributed to what we had. But either way, it started bouncing, and, and when they start bouncing like that, there's nothing you can do. You just, you just hold on. And um, we're just fortunate that it bounced a certain way it did and landed on all four wheels and got the motor going again. And, and um and we brought into the pitch chute, backed up, boys checked the car over and, and said, nah, she's good to go. So go. we um, had a, I had one last flying lap 
and um, I can't remember where we ended up, 16th, 17th maybe in time, but um, yeah, and that was two nights in a row we crashed in the first lap of qualifying. So it, it, it gives you an idea of, of um, you know, where that's all at and it's just definitely no uh, tootling around, that's for sure. No, definitely not. How um, aware and immersed did you become in the business side? When did you sort of realise, okay, you know, in order to go to a CRC or somebody like that, I've got to present a certain way, I've got to stitch a deal of this kind together and, and how did you learn that? Um, really because I, 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 um, I, had, I had to learn mm. and, and... Do you enjoy that side of it? Yeah, I, I, I do. And um, to be honest, my, my wife, Dallas, she's got a background in, in, um, in IT and, and marketing and that. So she handles a lot of our social media, which is, is so important these days. Um, you know, the value for a sponsor is, is, um, is far greater out of social media, re- your reach and, and, um, and whatnot than what it is actually having a name on a car just okay. circling around mm. track. So um, you, you learn over time... Um, you know the value of social media and and the way you present yourself at the track and um, you know for every dollar you ask for you've got to justify that dollar at the end of the season mm-hmm. and um, and with what we do we, we always um, we under promise and over deliver and, and 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 try and build on that year by year and and give them value so um, there's no school you go to to learn that it's just something that you learn over time and um, you look at things and how you could do better next season and um, so long as you're getting better, that's the main thing. You've had to do that by school of hard knocks is not the right term for it, but but hands-on learning is probably the better way of of saying. And that's a great takeaway for young racers that are that are listening here, mate. That ultimately the the stuff you talked about before about being on the edge and winning races and winning titles and so on, that's that's ultimately what counts and what and what drives you. But the the energy, the impetus, and and what you do outside the car is massively important isn't it that's huge yeah i mean um you, s- you spend a lot more time out of the car either working on it or thinking of ways to yeah mm. yeah and 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 the obviously the sponsorship side of what she was talking about um that takes up a, a huge amount of time and um and then there's the merchandise side of it too you know and, and that's um that's that's uh tied into your, your sponsorship and all that because you're representing them on your merchandise and um it's it's uh a lot of lot of lot of hours, but um, yeah, we make it enjoyable. Dallas is a good operator. I've seen the I've seen the um, you know the merch side and the the professional way you guys present at the track and so on. She's really good. You met her, if I'm not mistaken, through Speedway too, didn't you? Is that right? Yeah, her, her brother Brock um, uh, races, and, and we met at, at, at Speedway to practice. Um, I think Brock had just started racing midget. It was probably his first ever time at midget, actually. <laughs> um, so she was, she knew what the job was and um, and it's become a, obviously a huge part of our lives and um, and I don't think it would, well, actually wouldn't work otherwise, yeah. um, you know. Because you're so immersed in it, aren't you? You end we, up, yeah. We are and she's a huge part of what I do and, and uh, honestly she pushes me probably more than what people realise to do certain things at certain times as far as um, what races to run and um, sometimes maybe a bit, um, I don't know if I should do this or not and she's like, nah, stuff it, just do it, you know. Good and, yeah. and there's been quite a few situations where um, she said to me, see, told you, <laughs> <laughs> told you should have run that race. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things uh, I wouldn't have achieved without her and, and, uh, and, and it's uh, got to be enjoyable and um, you, you have to get enjoyment out of it 
both sides to 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 make it successful. Otherwise, you just get burnt out. You're a proud dad now, too. Yeah, really proud. And um, I don't think she'll be a speedway racer. <laughs> we've, we've borrowed my crew chief's um, quad bike, a little 50cc quad bike, and uh-huh. um, I'm not putting any pressure on her. But um, she she said, "Oh, can I can I get a quad bike for my birthday?" But um, so we gave her this one just to to run around the lawn on. But I'd, yeah, she's definitely not scrapping by the scruff, that's for sure. So it might be um, ponies and princesses. Are, are you breathing a little sigh of relief too about that or not? Oh, I, you know, it's, yeah, obviously the cost thing, but um, but I, I want her to enjoy whatever she does and I, I don't want to push her in any, any certain direction because you've got to be passionate about whatever you do. Most definitely. That's that, I know that sounds cliched at times, but it is super true, mate. And that, that's really, when you look around here in the workshop and what you've done with the team, what you've created and so on, that is basically the underpinning of the whole thing, isn't it? You've driven yeah. this out of, out of a pure passion. Yeah, you've got to be passionate about it and, and the people around you have got to be passionate and that's, um, I guess that's real key to, to being successful is having the, the people want to help you that are around you. Tell me about some more of those because, I mean, they, they, you know, when I met some of them at Western Springs recently, it's like family, good long-term group of people that you've got around you, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, one of my guys, um, Tony Cullen, he's been with me for damn near 15 years um he was um helping me on the car that's on the banner behind us here or behind you and um you know he he just just loves loves what we do and um we have we have we're fun doing it um there's no pressure on anyone um you know everyone they don't make hardly any mistakes but everyone makes mistakes so there's and there's no pressure on anyone to to be perfect so um and with that i think comes less mistakes because they're relaxed and, and not and not any pressure at all so um it's just enjoyable and um we we don't have a um you know a hard and fast schedule you got to be here by a certain time or anything like that but um i think the guys enjoy it so much that they um that they want to be here which mm. i think is really important invariably your time in australia at major race meetings there because they would often get americans down over summer and and so on your time in in the states when you were racing over there means that you would have met, I would imagine, some legends of the game. Have there been those that have left a great impression on you? Who who are some that you've perhaps yeah, had a chance to meet? I was at um, Chili Bowl. Uh, it was a year we nearly won it. We ran third, and um, I met Gary Bettenhausen. Mega, uh, yeah, and, mm. and I was, you know, I was. He raced obviously way before my time, but the, the name Gary Bettenhausen would would ring with. True Lots of listeners, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and um, it was yeah, it was pretty special meeting him. Um, as he's a guy that stick in my memories as one of the one of the legends I've ever met for mm. sure. What's you know observations of someone like Kyle Larson who's doing great things in NASCAR now and so on? I mean, he's just uh, been adept in speedway and has carried that through to to NASCAR, hasn't he? Yeah, he was my teammate uh, the very first time he came down, so it was pretty cool. And at, at that stage, um, I knew obviously he was going to be really special because of he he just won the four crown at Eldora mm-hmm. which is um midget, iconic yeah, yeah midgets mm. Norman sprint car silver crown all in one night and um the only other guy that's ever done it is just Jack Hewitt mm-hmm. so you knew the guy was going to be special and, and um and he, he certainly was when he came down here but um pretty cool to say that you know, you've been racing shoulder to shoulder with those guys at the beginning of their career. Mm. Hewitt's a great character. He's still around from from time to time. I think in the in the states there, the Kellys actually, Owen Kelly and his father Chaz have a very very good relationship with him. Talk about Chili Bowl because listeners will have ears will have pricked up about that. In 
forget motor racing because that's what you and I love here, but in sport generally, what they are putting on there, an, an indoor um, arena for some of the best in the business, an armada of cars, um, what are we talking, Tulsa, Oklahoma, aren't we, in, in their winter, our summer, uh, it, it is one of the uh, ultimate things for what you love to go and compete in. It really it? is. That's the pinnacle of, of midget racing really is. Um, yeah, it's the middle of winter indoors, like you say, and, and um, it's the, I think it's the largest freestanding um, pillarless. So it's, it's, it's supported from the outside. Side. So the structure has nothing on the inside to, to interfere with haulers and the racetrack, obviously. So it's, it's, you walk in there and, and everything's inside. You know, yeah. the, every, every hauler, every single car, and there's approximately 380 cars in there. So Unreal. It's insane. Mm. It's absolutely insane. Um, How big is the track? Uh, be about eighth mile, mm-hmm. so I'll be kind of the infield of Western Springs, I suppose, okay. if not a bit smaller. Um, yes, yeah, I've always said it for someone that's not even into midget racing, it's it's an absolute spectacle because you, you do see guys like uh, yeah, Casey Kane, um, my teammate this year was, was a Nika driver, Centino. So um, you get guys like that that don't typically run midgets show up and just want to have some fun and and and, and go race. Um, Cruz Pedragon, a drag racing guy. Um, so it's yes, it's just a um, the atmosphere is, is mega because it's all under one roof and there's so much going on, so many um, oddball sort of different cars that you wouldn't other, otherwise see at outdoor events specifically built for um, for, for Chili Bowl. Um, Alex Bowman's team, for an example, you know the Cup driver, he he runs um, two cars there. So to race against Alex Bowman is you know it's pretty cool to say. Pickett's pushing it. Streamers are coming down. Sammy with the early lead. Oh, too close to call. It's a multi-day, almost week-long, maybe even more event, isn't it? It's huge. Yeah, yeah. so I, uh, last time I flew in Saturday night, we practiced on, everyone practiced on a su- Sunday, so you get two runs. Um, and then you run either um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. One of those five nights is your prelim night. Uh-huh. And then everyone, every single car will run on the Saturday. Uh-huh. So on the prelim night, you might have between sort of 60 and 80 cars on e- each one of those nights. And then on the Saturday, every single car, so every 380 old cars will, will run. So they'll start at 9am, I believe. It's, it's absolutely mental. What's it like? Flat out around your clothesline kind of thing? Is it's, it's a... It, the, the laps when you watch them on the onboards, I must go one day. I've got to go and do that as a bucket list thing, but it looks unreal. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely busy in the racing. Um, usually, usually absolutely badass, you know, slide jobs, and it's got a unique sort of berm on the bottom which you tend to straddle with the, with the car, and um, it's either that or you're usually up on the fence. So, yeah, the racing is is, is absolutely insane. It's, it's it's wicked. What's the the most powerful memory there for you? And and the question's a little bit loaded because. You've raced for American team owners and, and, and what have you, but you've also stitched together your own thing where you've taken people over and competed in the States as well, haven't you? So Yeah. Um, if, if you're asking about Chili Bowl. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk Chili Bowl first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I've two experiences. Uh, one where we nearly won, where, I, where that's where I met Gary Bettenhausen. So mm-hmm. we started maybe two-thirds back in the field in the A-Main, uh, got up to about fourth or fifth, I think, got tangled up, had to go to the back, came up, passed for second, and then um, the caution come out, ended up third. It was about two laps to go. Unreal. The caution come out. That was uh, pretty cool. Damn near winning the thing. Um, and then the the other memory, of course, would be when we took the Synergy V8s up from New Zealand. So New Zealand built cars, New Zealand built motors. Uh, me and Brad Mosen were the drivers, and we 
uh, got both cars locked into the A. So oh, we really? ran, um, I ran second on my prelim, Brad ran third, which back then you only had to run the top three on your prelim to get locked into the Saturday A main. So to get two cars locked in was was huge, huge effort for the team. And um, we, we, we didn't run the, the best on the Saturday night. We ran okay. I can't remember where it ended up exactly, maybe 13th or 14th, but... Um, but just to, to bring an com- entire team from New Zealand to do that well was um, was pretty cool. How massive was that undertaking, mate, stitching that all together, logistics and, and you know? I mean, back then I was just a driver, mate. I showed up with my gear bag and, and, <laughs> and thought, wow, this is this is actually really cool. Other than some testing we did back home with the cars, we actually, uh, actually detuned them uh, a little bit to, to take them there. Um, the V8s were making that much power. Um, yeah, it was, they were ridiculous, so... Um, we detuned them a little bit, so we had some testing with them. But other than that, I mean, uh, Luke Fisher and Simon Longdall, um, and ironically, the CRC was the name of sponsor. Yeah. yeah. So it was, um, that was Murray Walburn, um, who's since retired from CRC, but um, huge effort from all those guys. Mm. We have a mutual friend in Brett Morris in Australia, different Brett Morris, in another life before I started doing broadcasting. Believe it or not, I worked in finance, and his wife, Chris, was my boss. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's a good boss too, tough boss, but a very good boss. You've done some races with, with him and been a part of, of um, you know, that operation. He's been a driver, you know, himself and, and whatever. You've done some good things with him over the years, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. I had a ball running f- um, for Brett and Chris. Um, I ran his car, um, you know, a few times on and off. And then um, Brian Clawson and, um, and Spencer Basin were driving the King cars behind me, which we were racing against in New Zealand. Okay. And um, it was the year that uh, was my first year driving for Brett, uh, sorry, for um, in one of Justin's cars in New Zealand. And Brett was down here visiting over the International Series. And, and I just, just tongue in cheek, I said, do you want to win the Australian midget title? coming up and, and he sort of looked at me um, <laughs> funny. As he does. So of, course, of course I bloody do, you know. And, and I said to him, that's the car you need to win this title. And um, to his credit, he, he bought the car uh-huh. and um, and we went and won the Australian title. So Mega. And, and it was just one of those special races too. It was, it was just absolutely mental race. I mean, the lead changed um, God knows how many times in, in the last few laps. Two laps to go and it is Manders, Payette and Pickens down into turn one and two. It's Payette back in front. Manders and Pickens. It's a row of three. Unbelievable race here in the speed cars as they come out of three and four. Pickens is back in front on the inside of Manders and Payet comes through the middle. Unbelievable here. Pickens is back in front. Manders to second and Payet goes back to third. Michael Pickens reigns supreme. What a victory. And um, so that's a memory I'll, I'll, that'll stick in my head forever with, with, with Brett. And we had a lot of fun. He's um, always, always ribbing me about um, being a Kiwi or whatnot. And um, just just really good time with both of them. We, we always, um, almost always stay with them in the house and, and the hospitality is always really cool and um, just, just really, really good people. Yeah, great. That's a nice summary at the end. They're good people, as you say. Parramatta, um, you had some unbelievable runs there in 50 lappers. You quite liked the 50 lap format, didn't you? And it was, as you say, often epic at the end. Yeah, I'm always sort of the driver. I, I typically don't push too hard in heats and I, I'm probably not the best heat race driver as such. Um, and, and same with the features, I tend to just cruise um, you know, cruise for, for a little while and just, just work up to it. Um, and that's probably why the 50 lap has suited my style because, I mean, I learnt 
from years ago that the last lap of the features is the only only lap you want to lead on any night. So yeah, all the other laps, who cares? So with a 50 lap deal, I mean, you, you know, you can sit there and just burn fuel for 20, 30 laps and, and then start pressing on. But um, one 50 lap at Parramatta that stuck in my mind, and, and, it, and it's one where we definitely weren't just burning fuel for 20 or 30 laps because from the game on, job for the green mm. man, mm. um, Kevin Swindell, um, he, he was uh, racing for um, Stephen and Barry Graham, and um, and I was in a number nine car for um, a guy whose last name's Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were Brendan Fox. Brendan Fox. He and I went to school together. No, oh, really? true, true story. Oh, well. True story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. keep going. So yep. it's his, his a number nine car. Yeah, and um, and back then the track was wider and it had more banking at Parramatta, and um, uh, Kevin went four wheels above the cushion, and and. It's one of those deals similar to the um, truck store at Darlington. You, you you see it and you see it and you think, well, he's that's where I've got to be. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's no other option because he was uh, he was pulling away at a great rate of knots too. So you just you just got to nut up and and um and go. Just, yeah, and, go. Mm-hmm. and the cars are on on teetering on the edge of disaster. Obviously, four wheels above the cushion. And um, man, we we were just absolutely wide open from the get go, and we're ducking and diving and slide jobs. And and when the cars would um, get down if you slid a guy and you had to cut down underneath him the cushion was damn damn near probably a couple of hundred mil high eight inches high so the car just sort of jumped down back onto the black slick and it was just an absolute mental race um, which we ended up winning which made it even more special, special so, yeah. um, that's uh, yes, definitely a 50 lap I'll, I'll never forget Tell me about the car mate which car in all the time quarter of a century of doing this stuff, what's the one that you – did they become a tool for the job or has there been one or two where you have this sort of fond attachment that, that it's, you know, it's been something special, either for the results that it's given you or um, – There's probably a couple. There's um, there's a car I won my first New Zealand title in um, and I've been trying to get it for the last 10 years and, and finally got it about two years ago. So a little rest, resto project. Yeah. So Where's that? Um, so it's at home. Yeah. Um, it's how, not here but it's at home. How far into it are you? Oh, uh, not at all. Uh-huh. I just haven't had time, but I want to get the car before someone else had, had cool. um, turned it into some some yeah. other jalopy or whatever. But yeah. um, that's 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 going to be um, something I'll, I'll cherish once it's restored. Cool. What um, chassis? What power plant? It was actually a beast chassis with yeah. a, an Ed Pink Ford engine. Nice. So it was um, when I mentioned earlier about Brett from Seamount Racing biting the bullet and investing in, in the equipment. That was the first uh, American. Um, car he bought and it was the first Ed Pink Ford that was um, in New Zealand. So okay. back then they, they were a pretty high dollar piece of machinery. machinery. Was, yeah. In its day it was a really, really nice car and mm. um, it's actually that number plate on my car, NZ103. So it's 2002, 2003 season I won my first ever title. So yep. hence the reason I, I really wanted to, to get that car back and restore it one day. And the other car would be um, the Seamount Racing car that we took to America and um, we won damn near every race in New Zealand that season, took it to Australia, won both races over there, 50 lapper, and took it to America and uh, won Para Midget Week and damn near won the USAT Midget Week points too. Uh, and, you know, that car was just, um, just one of those special cars. The race. You can pick two. You can pick an international and a domestic one. What's the race that's that's etched in your mind as a as a special one? Can be a title winner. Can be you know something like you described before that fifty lapper that was yeah. You know the the, the race um, 
I mean, there's, there's a lot of race in America that I'll never forget. You know, there's a lot of firsts, of course, first USAC win, first Paro win. Um, but one is in that car I was just talking about um, that we took up there from New Zealand. And it was the second, I want to say the second night of Midget Week. And it was at a place called um, Lincoln, Lincoln Park, or Putnamville, it's also known as. Um, so we had won the night before at Gas City, which was pretty cool. Like, we were just blown away, like, holy shit, this is awesome, you know. So we, we showed up to uh, Putnamville and um, pushed off for hot laps and, um, and the thing wouldn't run. So pulled back into the pits. Uh, we didn't have time to go. We couldn't go back out to, for hot laps. And with the way they ran qualifying then, um, if you missed your spot by more than two in the order, you go to the back. And we were in a really good, we were right up front for qualifying, so we are just spewing. So the boys, um, we couldn't diagnose what was wrong with it. We just had to change everything because we didn't have time. So they pulled the entire ignition system off the car, so, so um, coils, plugs, plug leads, ignition box, um, crank angle sensor. Um, it's going down a rabbit hole trying to find it. Yeah, yeah we, we, mm. we um, changed the battery, just everything that we had in the, the pick cart basically to throw at it. Um, that was... Um, that was just to get back out on track and, and we went out there and um, set quick time and then we ended up winning that race, that the feature event that night too. So it was just one of those special nights that um, from the outset you think, man, this is just a, a nightmare and, and turned out to be just, just a um, really special special race because the way we won it was pretty cool too. Was, I mean, it was down to the wire and once again, four wheels above the cushion on the absolute ragged edge of of of, um, of disaster and trash and thing and um, end up getting the one, so it's pretty cool. That title you described before in New Zealand, is that the one that's kind of a bit special for you around that 03 period? What's the one that, you know, the the Speedway title that you've won, could be here or overseas, that, that um, you'll cherish for a yeah, long the time? Yeah, the, the first one's always um, pretty special and, and people get, um, you know, in New Zealand at least, uh, New Zealand titles are um, like the holy grail really, but um, they're not necessarily the toughest races to win because of the competition, you don't have international series as such, but they're, they're just something about putting a number one in your car, that's pretty cool and um, ironically I actually never ran the number one because at that stage I didn't feel like I really earned it. Really? Yeah, it's just, I didn't really want to run it and mm. didn't really want to target on my back. Um, and we actually did run it once. They put me in their Tony Elliott car. The, might have been the week after, or not long after, we won the title. And um, and at that, st- I mean, that car they built brand new for Tony Elliott, and he had since gone home, of course. And that thing was just like the best car money could buy. I mean, it had everything on it. It was absolutely state of the art. And um, I had one of my biggest crashes I've ever had in it. And that, and that was also the other reason I just didn't really want to run number one. Well, you know, so, yeah. ah, don't need this and. Um, you had red eye for uh, probably five or six weeks after that, and that rung my, rung my bell pretty good. So, um, yes, um, that that first one would 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 be the one I, I think I'd remember the most. Pico is pretty good at holding it wide open when it's sideways, and so is world famous drifter Mad Mike. He opened up to Rusty about a massive crash in New Zealand. You can find his episode in the garage library. I got two laps into the film shoot. Of course, you know, I'm wanting to push it 100% straight out the bat. 
get the bang of shots like straight away and a brand new car which I'd literally driven one lap around Highlands on the second lap I went flying off the track at about 200 kilometers an hour put myself into a tire wall put myself in hospital fully knocked out crushed liver urinating blood and what we thought had absolutely destroyed and totaled the car I'm trying to find the right drifting lingo to back announce this but my sat nav vocab is limited rad or fully sick just aren't right Back to Rusty and Michael Pickens while I search the memory banks. You have driven a few other things for a bit of fun. So we crossed paths at Battle of Jack's Ridge. I can't remember what you drove back then. And you, you might have actually uh, uncovered that you had, a, you had a back injury or something. Is that what happened in one of those uh, single-seater? What were you in? Yeah, so the cross-carts. Cross-carts, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome little thing. and. Yeah. Um, um, so it was for uh, Hayden Patton with the support yep. of Stadium Finance who's one of my sponsors still and um, we actually we're, we're going really well and um, I can't remember where we were at on the times that we might have been around fifth overall something like that because actually pretty quick around Jack's Ridge and um, the flat landing I'd broken my back previous year in America and um, um, it just I'd, one one of the landings I felt it yep. and it was just something went right and yep. I just said to the guy like, can't risk it I'm done can't you risk know, it mm. we're, uh, we're down to the last run anyway, and mm. it, um, yeah, was, yeah, that was um, that was the end of that. Polar opposite to that. Uh, did you run? I, I, I'm not going to get this right. Did you run like a Hillman or something in the supports this year for the yeah. for the WRC? What was yeah. that thing like? And were you you were driving, not navigator? You were you were yeah. driving it, weren't you? What yeah. was that like? Well, well, PJ rang me up because um, we, we talk all the time. And Pete he, Jamison is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he supported me forever, mm. and he said, um, Pickens, we've got to get you in something. And <laughs> so he, he got Marty Rosenberg to to fish around, and and see was stupid enough to put me in a rally car and. Um, yeah, that the guys. Uh, it was a Hillman Hunter with a Rover V8 in it. Um, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Obviously, not a whole lot of power or a super special car, and I think. But man, I had an absolute blast. It Did was, you? Um, yeah, it was really cool. And the um, the car owner, uh, I forget his name, but the car owner jumped in the passenger seat with me because I said, "Hey, jump in," because I, I don't know what I'm doing, and you might be able to give me some pointers. And we went around just for a recce, sort of like rolling around in first gear with all the other cars on convoy. And then we had our first run and, and yeah, so I said, I'll jump in. And um, I think I kind of scared the shit out of him because he, because we didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. And we actually, we actually went, went really well. And, and, and he said, shit, I'm, 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 I'm impressed at the commitment level. And I sort of looked at him and like, so that's obviously where the limit is. <laughs> but it was, it was just really cool because it just sort of felt quite, Natural because did you run pace notes or were you just no. like no because it was just just the well one. you could see whatever you're running running yeah yeah, yeah. and 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 um and it, and it actually felt pretty there was no power steering or anything that was probably the only thing that was a bit weird but it got used to it pretty quick and mm. man I had a bore it was you? really cool yeah can we talk a little story of overcoming adversity um you'll join the dots here for me something happened one night with uh with a, an engine issue team take the car back to basically base and work on it. Uh, you, in the meantime, jump in another car. Tell us tell us that yarn. That's, um, you know, that's well, the one real special thing about Speedways. Um, uh, I don't know over till it's over. over. It, was, yeah. it was one of those nights, you know, we um, real early on in my career and uh, we broke a rocker arm in, in one of our, um, I think it was, a, I'm sure it was a new pink Ford engine, so two-valve pushrod engine, mm-hmm. broke a rocker arm um, early in the night, the heat race. So the guys hightailed it back to our shop, which wasn't maybe 20 minutes away. Uh, another guy, Dave Jick, who's still one of my sponsors today, funny enough, and um, jumped into his car just to run the second heat to qualify for the A-Main. 
and guys got back, put their rocker arm on the car and had to start off the back because we had only sort of like just obviously we'd missed a heat because we when it broke. So we'd made the show um, but starting off the back and we won with the off the back with about one or two laps to go. So Unreal. it was just one of those absolutely mega nights. That, Fight um, back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it wasn't probably the, the you know, definitely wasn't the biggest race of my career, but the way it unfolded was, was pretty cool because it takes a lot more person than yourself to win that race. You ran an event recently, Pickens 54 at, uh, at Western Springs, legendary track in, in Auckland. Tell me a little bit more about that. And is there a want to do more events or was that just a, a one-off sort of special? Um, yeah, the promoters approached us um, Oh, it must have been damn near a year ago now, and said, hey, would you be interested in, in promoting an event? Um, so we thought, well, why not? You know, We'll give it a shot and try and do a few things that were um, different to the norm. And, and, and it was all about entertainment. So um, it was a lot of, lot of, lot of work um, behind the scenes, raising money to, to, to be able to afford to, to have the attractions we did. Um, we had, um, you know, people like yourself um, imported for the event, which was <laughs> really, really, really cool because, um, you know, people get, you know, used to the same old, same old. So I wanted to bring some people in to really razz it up a bit. And, and um, it was a lot of, lot of fun, a lot of work. Um, definitely definitely a, a one-off. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as, as much as we enjoyed doing it, it was a lot of work and um, definitely sidetracked us a little bit from, I guess, the, the racing side of it. Um, but... The feedback we got was the event itself was was really cool. Um, we employed two horses with riders to ride around with confetti and smoke bombs and Make whatnot. Make it a show. Make it a show. Yeah, mm. and mm. it was all about ent- entertainment for the fans because I believe if someone's going to pay a certain amount of money to, to walk into a place, they've got to be entertained for the duration they're there, and that's that was the idea. So um, I think we pulled that off. Unfortunately, we had a bit of a dud track that night, which was out of our hands. But um, yeah, the feedback we got was was they were entertained and and. Um, it was, um, I guess, something we can tick off the list and, and um, move forward. Not, not in a stone-throwing way, mate, but you, you come at this with experience at Chili Bowl in America and, and sort of mecca events of, of Speedway. And do you look at it um, in this part of the world and think, you know, we've got this little gem that we could do more with and, and make it... Um, you know, I often, I often try and draw the parallel that if you've ever been to an NBA game in, in the States, you are entertained for two and a half hours. It's unreal. And here you have a stadium sport. Everything happens right in front of you. And if you bolster it with all the other halftime entertainment and things that they would do in NBA, um, you, could, you could seriously improve the show, mate, couldn't you? Yeah, definitely. And that's, and, and that's the main reason why I wanted to do Experiment yeah. with this, yeah, yeah, and, mm. I, and 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 we prove that with a bit of promotion um, and spending a bit of money because that's always the um, the challenge. Yeah, mm. As mm. it is, and um, because no one ever has the the money really to outlay um, something that may or may not work, mm. and 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 that was part of like you know getting the horses and getting the little thunder sticks in for kids to give away and whatnot, which had the sponsors on it. So there's strategic things like. Um, with the Thundersticks, we had the, the naming rights and associate sponsors on those. Oh, yeah. So there was, um, there was value, value in that for mm. them. Mm. Um, and with, with entertaining the crowd, I mean, the, the, money, the money you invest in, um, the money you invest leading up to it for a promoter should theoretically pay back at the gate. Mm. Um, and we proved with the crowd numbers we had on January 1st that, um, you know, we got a, a, an absolute... Bumper crowd for for a January first meeting, 
um, but we we put a lot of um, yeah lot, spent a lot of money with, with with leading up to with promotion. We we put out roadside signs and um, and um, did a lot of uh, social media stuff, which um, you know it's a lot of time and effort, but it proves that it does work. Mm. Is the Springs okay? Do you know? Like, I mean, we're here in your workshop in Auckland as well. Were you guys okay with the crazy floods that have happened in in this part of the world recently? Unfortunately, it's uh, it's um, up in the air at the moment. Mm. It's it's not great. Mm. Um, they've had a few issues around the stadium, which they're waiting to get results on from um, Geotech. Yeah. Mm. So time will tell. But mm. um, yeah, it's it's not in, not in the best state. That's mm. for sure. Well, your workshop was okay. It looks like it, it was. Yeah, we had a, um, a little bit of surface water in here, but um, most everything in here is up mm. off the ground. So um, yeah, we got lucky there. But um, yeah, there's a lot of lot of other people um, mm. more unfortunate than we are. What's the future hold for you? Because it's you know a game where you are still delivering race wins, beautifully presented car, great run team and, and so on and doing stuff uh, home and abroad for that matter. How much longer can you keep doing that for? Um, I, I still love Speedway. Um, I mean, this is my 25th year, at, um, like in a midget as such. So I guess in an in adult class, whatever you want to call it. So I've done it for a long, long time. Um, there's other things that I want to do uh, outside of Speedway with circuit racing, um, but, Tell me about that. That's quite cool. Yeah, it's, it's something I've always wanted to do and I've, I've dabbled with it um, in, in the past years ago but never really been able to commit to it time-wise. Um, Speedway's always taken 100% of my time and, and, and energy. TA2 um, cars, GT cars, what are you, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I'd love to drive something that you've got to, um, that's going to – scare me a little bit I guess mm-hmm. you know after running a midget or a sprint car it's got to be something that's, um, that's so maybe like some endurance racing here and North or South so, Island Championship or something so. yeah so, something like that in the GD3 or like you mentioned the TA2 um, uh, in, the, in the future something I'd, I'd love to get into because um, you know we all know Speedway is not a young man's game, game. And, mm. um, circuit racing is something we always want to have a crack at um, but when I do it I want to do it properly, properly. it's mm. got to be done right and uh, like I've learnt with Speedway, I've got to surround myself with the right people to get results. So mm. when I when I do it, um, it'll it'll be done right. Cool. Lyle Williamson's about to join the the Rusty's Garage Library, mate. So that's international motorsport, and I know Richard Kiltrap listens from time to time. So hopefully you can at least get to sample one of their cars somewhere, and maybe that'll lead to lead to something. Yeah, something that um, I've always uh, because I'm mechanically interested in what's what's going on with with anything. Um, I, I love the mechanical side of it, and you know we we're at Christchurch last weekend, and we got to see some of the Scope Classic down there. And cool um, cars there. Stephen Richards was there, and so yeah, on. Yeah, it was really yeah. neat, you know. And we're, we're watching this um, green and white Camaro, and I might be wrong, but I think it was ex Dalton Grant Dalton's okay. car. Wow. Yeah. And we're cracking up laughing because old mate would, would pull outside a Porsche and, and just blow the doors off the thing. <laughs> and I happened to talk to the guy who owned it um, later on in the evening because he was over at the speedway, um, mm. Kane Lawson. And um, he's telling me it's you know approximately 900 horsepower, and and, and the guys are laughing. It's like it's the most ridiculous car, mm. and and it's something that really excited me. I thought you know that's um that that's got to be a, a, a hell of a hoot, mm. you know, doing God knows what speed they're doing in the back straight there at Rupuna, yeah. but um it's definitely something going to have a crack at. Cool. Can we finish on a on a um you know maybe like a life lesson thing if you if you will two two pronged. I don't believe in regret. I reckon you make the best decision with the tools you have at the at the time in, in life. Is there anything that you'd love to go back and do differently um, from your career so far? And and 
What do you reckon a really good piece of advice is for aspiring Kiwi racers, particularly those in, in Speedway, from what you've learned along the way here? Um, yeah, there's definitely no regrets. Um, there's, I mean, you've got to, with this sport, I mean, you've got to grab it by the scruff and, um, and you have to surround yourself, like anything for that matter, you have to surround yourself with the right people. And I've been fortunate that I've had um, the right people around my entire career down there. And, um, and there's a real trick to um, retaining those people too. You've got to make them... Um, you know, feel like they've got value and... Mm. and um, Part of and, the family. Yeah, yeah. part mm. of the family mm. and, and they have to... Everyone has to enjoy it, you know, so you've got to make it enjoyable for them. But retaining those good people, getting them and then retaining them is, is, is really key. And But as far as regrets, there's definitely no regrets. Mm. Um, I wouldn't change um, any part of my career for nothing. Um, and the advice to, you know, the young aspiring Speedway guys, um, it's, it's just all about people. Mm. People are everything. Are there, are there up-and-coming Kiwi races that, you know, we can be looking out for, do you reckon? Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a few, but um, with Speedway, you've really got to be either, I think, in a major or a sprint car to, to really be able to, um, like I say, there's nowhere to hide in a major or a sprint mm. car. My question is more because... You know, if you look at Scott McLaughlin, Shane Van Gisbergen, um, you mentioned Nick Cassidy before. I mean, there's, there's this, this whole pool of guys on this, in the circuit racing scene. I mean, the stocks of Kiwi races doing things on the international scene is seriously impressive. What about in, in Speedway? Yeah, here? there's probably guy, a couple of young guys uh, in, in, in the sprint cars. There's a young guy, Connor Rangi, in, in the South Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's definitely shown potential, you know, from last weekend. Um uh, you know, he's, he's not really super young, but a guy, Daniel Thomas, he won the New Zealand Sprint Car title and, you know, he's he's got a lot of promise. Um, but, as you know, we saw uh, uh, Emerson Vincent in the quarter midgets a few years ago. Um, he was showing promise. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it takes time, I think, to see those drivers develop. Mm. Um, you know, it's no different to when I started. You know, I won my first two heat races, but and that was like, um, you know, hey, that's that's cool. That kid may have some talent, but it took a long time after that to really get my feet on the ground, get comfortable, and, and consistently win races. So, it's um, at the moment, it's it's kind of hard to say, but you'd you'd hope to think um, there's going to be some young guys come out and um, ho- hopefully, you know, do what I did and go to America and, and put New Zealand on the world stage. Shane did a pretty good job in the sprint car, didn't he? Over, over he did. Time. Mm-hmm. He did awesome. I mean, there's no doubt he was going to win races. He loved the challenge. He absolutely thrived on the challenge of master or trying to master that thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're, they're hard things to drive and anyone that's driven a sprint car, I'll tell you, they're probably one of the hardest things to master because of the because of the error is probably the biggest thing and understanding how, how, how that works and how it affects the car. But... Um, yeah, I mean, Shane's obviously a hell of a talent and it was only a matter of time and I hope hope that he comes back and, and, and races more of it in New Zealand because so that's really great for the mm. sport. How late will you be in here tonight? What happens? Crank up a bit of music, work on the car. When does it go in the truck and head to the next event and so on? Uh, I mean, tonight's an easy night because we've just got one car to, to, to wash and service, but um, normally it's, we run both cars on, on the same night, so it means washing both cars and servicing on the same night. So, uh, well, we're here till sort of 10-ish, 9.30, 10, something like that, and, and um, you know, I've got the, the absolute best guys around me that love coming here and, and, and helping, which, um, man, I couldn't do without. So they all show up, they all chip in, clean, and, and we'll get to the car to a point where it's um, serviced. Uh, 
damn near ready to go racing. We'll do um, finish off tyres and bits and pieces. But, um, yeah, like I said, man, that, that you, you can't do this without people. Mm. They're everyone. Thank you for talking to us, mate. I love the, the passion. I love what you've created um, out of that. I, I know that it must be taxing at times because, you've got a, you know, you've got a young family and you're trying to do normal work as well as stitch together a race team and lots of long hours that are involved in that. I really hope I get the chance to see you in a GT car, mate, because the stuff I've seen you do in a, in a midget and stuff has been um, etched in my mind at times. I, you've done some incredible things there, here and abroad, which you are to be celebrated for and, and congratulated for. And good luck with enjoying it still and, and trying to break into the next phase. I hope it goes well. Yeah, I appreciate it. And um, hopefully we can sort of drag, you know, some of those Speedway people to, to circuit track one day. Cool. And, um, you know, the atmosphere we get at a Speedway is pretty unique. And um, hopefully we can, um, like I say, we can drag some of them onto a circuit track and and it'll be interesting to see how I go. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a new challenge for me when and, when and if it happens. Hopefully it's not so much enough, but when, but um, <laughs> that's something I'm really looking forward to. Good stuff. Rusty's Garage is written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series editor and producer is Thomas Dullard. Audio production by Link Kelly. If you've got a guest suggestion, get in touch with me via social media. The Garage, that's where a journey begins with a tank full of passion-fuelled stories.